Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I'm your host and founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And here is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise children of character in our culture that is saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to stay on top of technology and media and then set standards for how you and your family will incorporate that into your lives. In every episode, we're going to highlight trending news in media and technology. We're going to focus on a character virtue and how it is effective within culture. We're also going to give you five facts on one popular app and give you tools on how to apply this to your family and to your parenting in our family focus. Well, welcome to today's show. In news, we're going to be talking about Varsity Esports, as well as Instagram influencer Olivia Jade. Our character focus today is going to be on perseverance. Our app focus is on the app photo math. And in our family focus, we're going to be discussing digital cheating. All right, in today's news, Varsity Esports. Maybe you've heard of this. Um, More and more high school and colleges are creating varsity teams to compete in video game competitions. This is now like pro teams being created or they're recruiting, they're giving scholarships for really excellent video game players to compete in national competitions. And this isn't just streamers like Ninja, maybe you've heard of him. Um, He streams his Fortnite playing on um, platforms like Twitch, which is a platform owned by Amazon, where you can just basically watch someone else play. He may be an excellent Fortnite player, but he's not competing in these actual um, national competitions. These national competitions are so big that the League of Legends um, World Championship Final was actually held in Los Angeles Staples Center. Now, League of Legends is a multiplayer online battle arena. Um, It takes a team of people to play this game, and there are several pro teams that these, quote, athletes are now making six figures competing and playing on these teams. Um, USA Today recently did an article where they talked about um, Team Liquid, is they're called. Um, The owner of Team Liquid Um, Steve Arhansett tells USA Today, I find this very intriguing, um, and to our children, it's going to be very enticing. Uh, Players take an Uber to the facility from an apartment complex where Team Liquid, which currently has 65 athletes competing across 14 different games, provides housing. They get furniture, they get their own room, a chef works on site at the facility to provide meals, and the players have dental, vision, and health benefits. Coaches and nutritionists and sports psychologists are on staff to help players stay at 100%. Remember, these athletes are playing video games. For these players, he goes on to say, gaming is a full-time commitment, even more so than a traditional 9-to-5 job. Often they are working on their game for six or even seven days a week. They get one day off, one of the players is quoted, and usually that's when we go out and have a social life. Ultimately, though, they spend that time doing more practice because one of them quotes, we really just want to win. So pretty much breathe and play League of Legends all day, every day. Because this has become such a a very large industry 
Um, they're paying their players so much. Big sponsors have now followed. Um, Team Liquids Facility, which is located in Santa Monica, California, is sponsored by Dell. Um, MasterCard sponsors the League of Legends tournaments, while the game's regional leagues have sponsors like Coca-Cola in Latin America. Um, Brazil has Gillette sponsoring them, State Farm sponsors North America, Mercedes-Benz and Doritos in China. This is a very worldwide growing trend. Now, what does that really mean for your children, for your family? You know, is this sort of like professional video game player an actual sustainable career? This is a, a big question. Um, so I actually asked my husband about this. He's grown up playing video games generally all of his life. I mean, he only does it now on the rarest occasions with our children. But I kind of asked that question, like, really, is this sustainable? Can we really have professional video game players? And, and you know, he related it to sort of when he was growing up in the 70s and 80s, even 90s, when sports teams were that ultimate, that ultimate thing that you followed, right? You knew every player and their stats. You collected their cards. You, you know, you kept baseball cards in a, a very prestigious album. You traded them. They were worth a lot of money, right? And because sports and athletes were elevated to such a level during the, that generation, corporate sponsorship obviously poured itself in there. And now today, right, it's, you know, billion dollar industry where these, um, gigantic arenas, house are, you know, football teams and baseball and basketball, all of this. Um, so this is sort of the same trend he sees, you know, video games going towards in that these corporate sponsorships are going to pour money into it because right now this is the end thing. And these athletes are going to be elevated up to this level. These pro teams are going to be created. So yes, potentially this is going to be the sports fanatic of this generation. Our kids are going to be growing up watching other people play video games. That's going to be their pastime. We may think it sounds funny, um, but maybe to, you know, our parents or grandparents when we were growing up, it was funny for us to watch other people play sports instead of actually playing them ourselves. What I would say for you as a parent to this is, you know, in order to get to this level, to this level where you're being recruited by colleges or, or joining the high school team in order to compete, it takes a lot of playtime to get that good. And if you're invoking a sort of standard of screen time, maybe two hours, chances are your child is not going to get that good in a two hour time frame that you're giving them in order to reach this pro level. So it really depends on the child. Is this something where your child really is, has the mind and the strategy, um, is really excelling at this game in that short amount of time? Maybe you might allow them to play more, but ultimately you have to consider what is being displaced with the time. If they're playing eight or nine hours of a video game a day, are relationships being displaced? Is physical activity being displaced? Because all of those things are so important for a child as they grow up. Um, you can't necessarily neglect that in order to sort of put everything into this one basket. Now, granted, if you have them in a, a club team sport and maybe they're competing in the gymnastics team or a, a club basketball team and they're putting in maybe four or six hours a day, that may be normal, but these video games are definitely requiring more. They're requiring eight, you know, 10 hours a day for these people to get to that level where they're actually competing and making these quote six figures. Also in the news, we have Instagram influencer Olivia Jade. If you've been 
watching any news lately, you would have heard about this college admissions scandal. Now, Olivia Jade, this social media celebrity, she's 19 years old. She is um, Lori Laughlin's daughter. This is the actress who played um, in Full House, who many of us have loved and respected. She's in a lot of Hallmark movies, um, good, solid, what we would consider celebrity. And this is her 19-year-old daughter who has become an Instagram influencer. Since the college admissions scandal has occurred, this influencer has now lost her major sponsorship with Sephora, Tresemme. She had her clothing line with Princess Polly all taken down. She has come out to say that she is not returning to USC where she was attending her freshman year of college due to fear of bullying. Now, I checked out her Instagram page, and now the comments have been disabled, but it didn't take long for commenters to really attack her as soon as this college admissions scandal came out, basically calling her a fraud, telling her she's obviously not worthy to be in college, and it'd be really nice if I didn't have to work to get into college and my parents could just pay my way in. You know, pretty much cruel things that people do and say online because they're not face-to-face. But the reality of it is there is probably a lot of truth in all of this. There's actually a YouTube video because not only does she do Instagram, but she's also a YouTuber where she comes out and forthright says to her fans um, on YouTube, quote, I don't really want to go to college um, with work and going to school. It's going to be really hard to do this all. I don't really know how much college I'm going to attend, she says. But then she says, but I do really want the experience of game days and partying. And she goes on to quote, I don't really care about school. You guys already know that. So that was said early on. And so it's easy to see that now when you look at these pictures of this influencer and she's taking pictures in her dorm room, looking perfect in this perfect dorm room, and she's advertising for Amazon and Prime Student, all of these things, it's easy to look at now and say, you know, what a fraud. That's how people are feeling right now. So knowing this as a parent who maybe has, especially a daughter or even a son on Instagram who loves these influencers who are, especially who are influenced by these people who have paid sponsorships on Instagram, do they, do they recognize, you know, that some of it is fraud? Do they recognize the inauthenticity of it all? Or are they seeing this and they look at this picture of her seeing me on her dorm room bed and looking absolutely perfect. And of course, it's not a selfie, right? There's someone else taking this picture of her. So they look at that and say, oh, I want to be just like that. So they actually look up to her because now what we have to realize and reconcile, and we can help our children do this, is it's not real. A lot of the stuff that we see on social media, the stuff that they believe is real, really is not. It's fabricated. We know this, right? This this feed of information is often you know, a very perfected version of everyone's life. And now this is even more true. So make sure that if you have a child who is on Instagram, especially, and it has known or heard of Olivia Jade, have this conversation with them. What does it really look like to be authentic on social media? That's the important question. In our character focus today, we're going to be discussing the virtue of perseverance. I think this is important, especially in light of this college admissions scandal, um, having these Instagram influencers sort of put themselves out there in a fraudulent or inauthentic way. A perseverance, you know, we consider doing something despite the difficulty or delay in achieving success. That is what perseverance is. You know, some synonyms of perseverance is steadfastness, grit, 
tenacity or resilience. You know, some people call it a virtue and some people call it a skill. What we know today, and this is seen by educators as well as parents, is that our children really lack perseverance. They lack the resilience to be able to handle hardship. You know, right now, going back to Olivia Jade, she says, quote, that she is kind of hiding out, that she's angry with her parents for doing this and destroying her career. And you have to think, is she going to be able to persevere through this? What are they feeling right now? Are they feeling completely lost and broken because of this incident? Um, Really, that was her parents that did it. Did her parents not have the perseverance to watch their child um, go through difficulty or delay achieving success? Or were they simply um, using what was convenient to them, the resources in order to, to pay off or to bribe their children into school? What's important as parents to allow our children to experience failure? We really want this to be, you know, in a safe and supportive environment, but failure is what really helps you overcome, helps you recover. It requires problem solving and it builds this, this virtue of perseverance so you can face things in life because ultimately there are going to be problems in the world and you have to learn them when you're young to overcome this so that when you face the real world problems, they don't completely destroy you. So what can you as a parent do? Well, when they're young, help them learn perseverance by requiring your own patience as they complete a task. So say, for example, you're, you're helping your child learn how to tie their shoes. It's almost tempting to just jump in there and tie the shoes themselves, but your own patience and allowing them to overcome, to complete a hard task. Maybe they're putting on their own clothes, right? With toddlers or they're they're brushing their own teeth or brushing their own hair. Those, Those small little tasks, it's just so easy as parents to jump in and complete them for them. However, requiring them to fully overcome and achieve that small task. That is the beginnings of perseverance. Also, right, read books to them about perseverance. Simple things like The Little Engine That Could, right? There are lots of books that can help your child understand that there are difficulties, but it takes hard work to delay your success and to keep working at it until you achieve that. Especially with young children, you can work really hard on your own language. Psychologists and um, scientists and researchers have, have found that the language that you use with children greatly impacts their perseverance. For example, if your child played in a sporting event and they lost, or even if they won, but your language of how you talk to them about that, you can say, I love how hard you tried and how hard you worked at that. You just worked really hard. Or you can say, I like how you didn't give up. Even though you were losing, you did not give up and you still gave 100%. That is what encourages them to keep on working hard. It's their hard work that is kind of being honored and acknowledged in that moment. But when we see our child, maybe they won the game. Instead of saying, you are so good at soccer. You are, you know, you are so smart that just basically makes them feel like they were gifted with this ability. So that when something hard comes or they have a hard game, they didn't win the, the soccer game or they didn't score the winning point or they, they missed or they failed the test, they're going to rely back on that ability and they're going to say, oh, well, 
I'm supposed to be smart and I didn't do this. And then they're going to feel like a failure. However, if they attribute that success to hard work and to not giving up, that is where perseverance really can thrive. For our older kids, right? It's important for us to encourage them to experience new things because when they experience and try new challenges, they can overcome those initial difficulties. Maybe you're encouraging them to go volunteer somewhere. Well, there's the awkwardness of of walking in, not knowing what's going on, not knowing the people, but when they can overcome all of those obstacles, they develop perseverance. Maybe you're encouraging them to take a class a school they wouldn't normally take or to participate in a sport they wouldn't normally do. When we encourage that, um, maybe even kind of force them into doing it because we know that it's good, they can develop that perseverance. We recently really encouraged our daughter who's never really played a sport to try a sport for the first time. She's 12, almost 13 years old, and she had a lot of hesitancy. She was nervous about not being able to perform well, not knowing the girls who were gonna be on the team. But now that she is in it, she is thriving and she loves it, right? She's so thankful that we sort of pushed her over that edge, and now she's developing even more of that character of perseverance. Also, for older kids, share stories of their own past perseverance. Maybe it was when they were in elementary school. Hey, remember this time when we went and served on this mission trip and it was really difficult and and we didn't have our normal food and we persevered through this hard time. Remind them of these times when they have done hard things and they've overcome it. Or you can share your own past perseverance experiences. React well to their failures and their setbacks. If they fail a test or they, you know, don't win that game in the sport that you were there watching, don't react in the sense of, oh, you just lost it. You know, you're never going to amount to anything. This is, you know, you're a failure. Of course, that talk gets in their head and can destroy their perseverance. So make sure that you react well. You may be disappointed that they failed the test. However, encourage them on how they can develop those problem-solving skills to overcome the next test, to, to be better and work harder so that that doesn't happen again, right? We don't want to destroy their character. We want to build their character. And also, for you, it's important to lead by example. How are you persevering in your everyday life? Are you forcing yourself to do hard things? Um, maybe you're in a difficult job. And do you just give up and quit? You know, is that what your children may see from you? That when things get hard, you just quit and start a new job? What about simple things like working out? Are you physically active? Are you going to the gym or, you know, you're running or doing workout videos? Is there something that they see that is hard and you don't really love it all the time, but they see you persevering? Is it your mission to go back to school? And so you you enroll in classes as an adult and they see that perseverance. That's important because they can see your example and say, wow, you know, mom, dad, they're really, they're doing this hard thing. You know, I can see that it's hard on them. I can see that they're a little stressed, but they just keep going on. They may not react in that way, but those are sowing seeds that will definitely be reaped in the future when they're an adult and they encounter those same hard things. All right. Our app of focus today is Photomath. So let's go over five facts. The first fact that you need to know about Photomath is that this is a smart camera 
calculator. The app is free to use and essentially what you're going to do is scan an equation or problem with your camera on your phone. It can be typed or handwritten. Fact number two is it uses basic math all the way to calculus and statistics. It does pre-algebra, algebra, trigonometry, really advanced stuff. And then as you scan this equation, this problem that may be on your homework, you can then, which is fact number three, the app gives you solutions and steps to solve the equation. So this is important because first they're going to give you the solution. They're going to give you the direct answer. So if you have, if your child has a math assignment, here he goes. Here's the equations. You can just fill in the answers and not learn anything. There you go. Your homework is done. But there's also steps to solve it. And in some equations, there's multiple steps or multiple ways the problem can be solved. So for someone who wants to actually learn, like I'm trying to do this math problem and I can't figure it out, so I'm gonna use PhotoMath, I'm gonna scan it, I'm gonna see how they tell me to solve the problem. And then you actually learn from that. That is one way this can be used. Frankly, I think this could be excellent for parents because we don't always remember that trigonometry or that algebra that we learned in, in middle school and high school, right? Our brains have long since moved on from that math. So as we help our children or we're checking their work, this could be something that could really help us refresh our memory going way back to those years of, of this math. Fact number four is that because it's a free app, you also have to consider the privacy policy. As with any free app, they're going to want to make money somehow. So the question is, how is it that they are going to make money? Well, anything free, right? You're the product. So they're going to sell you essentially, or they're going to sell your data to advertisers. They, um, you read this privacy policy, um, they do collect a lot of information that you may want to consider before either allowing it yourself or allowing it for your child. Fact number five is the rating system. Now, the App Store and Google Play is going to rate this app at 4+. That's kind of like a whole other issue as to um, why this app would be rated 4+, because we certainly would not want our young elementary students solving their math equations with their iPad this way. Now, the app itself says 13+. So that's a very big variance in age. And of course, PhotoMath is going to say 13+, because of COPA, the Child Online Privacy Protection Act. They cannot collect data knowingly from any child under the age of 13. And because their livelihood is through collected data, they're going to state that you cannot create an account if you are under the age of 13. Now, brave parenting stance is that you should probably, the child should be at least in high school before they have this app. Hopefully, you're allowing this app because you believe that your child will use it as a learning tool, not as sort of a cheating tool or cutting corners tool. We don't want them to have the app and scan the equations, especially trying cheating on a test or really just to finish their homework faster. So I think with trust, this could be usable in high school. And now our family focus, we're going to talk about digital cheating. And we're not talking about like cheating inside relationships. We're talking about the actual like cheating within school. And there's been a lot of surveys done recently. And one um, appeared in um, Edutopia, which is a website talking about education. And it showed that a survey of 70,000 high school students found that 58% admitted that they had plagiarized papers. And 95%, 95, so almost all, have admitted they have cheated in some capacity. 
So what we know now is with these high-tech tools that it's making cheating even easier. So what we know, right, that in general, students will know that cheating is wrong. However, most of them simply consider themselves moral in spite of the fact that they're cheating. They don't consider cheating to be lying. They consider it just as a means to an end, right? A means to, to get a grade or to get the homework done. Now they have such easy access to quick answers and content um, that they can plagiarize with, with ease. Not only that, um, I read also um, one educator had said, you know, because these children and these students are so used to sharing content, they're reposting images that may not be theirs, um, they're watching parody videos, or they are repurposing memes for other things, they really see this idea of, of ownership of something online as sort of nebulous. Like if it's online, it's it's anybody's game. If you ever watch your child um, try and look for an image, they'll go to Google Images, they'll sort of you know right click and, and take the image, even though there could be you know copyright requirements you know owned on on that image. This is an important conversation to really have at home because. If we're not starting that conversation about what digital cheating is, then our children may not actually feel compelled to not do it. So cheating really speaks to this lack of perseverance, this character trait that we just talked to, and especially like an, a growing apathy that children have towards education. They don't feel like they have to learn because they can get all of their information from Google. Why learn and memorize these facts when if I ever need them in the future, I can just Google them. That's a common mindset of children today. So they sort of have an apathy for this idea of learning. But we know that learning and overcoming hard tasks, right, that develops the perseverance which carries on into their future. I really encourage you to talk about that. Talk about what cheating is. Clearly define it. Hey, if you use your phone to cheat in class or to text homework answers back and forth, if you are using this website and copying and pasting someone else's content, hey, that's plagiarism, right? There are now websites and tools that you can actually check that teachers are checking certain written papers and documents to see if they've been plagiarized. And so children are being called out for that plagiarism. Talk about ownership, what it means to sort of own something, whether it be their their content or their own creativity and how they can own their own work. Also give them a safe place to, to fail and to learn. Right now, a lot of times, the pressure that is put on students to achieve straight A's or to achieve this you know, elite athleticism, that pressure is forcing them to feel like they have to cheat or they have to go about cutting corners in some way in order to achieve this. So make sure that you're not putting unnecessary pressure on your child. Yes, we may really want them to get a scholarship, but we don't want them to be cheaters, right? We want them to be able to persevere through hard work way more than we should want them to gain a scholarship or to gain the notoriety of straight A's. In the show notes for today, I have a digital cheating worksheet for you. It's going to talk about how how these actual digital cheating is done, how it hurts them, right? The repercussions that can follow digital cheating had they be caught, even if they're not caught, as well as how you as a parent can help. So make sure you check out the show notes and see how you can apply um, your parenting strategies to make sure your children are not cheating in this digital realm. 
All right, that about does it for our show today. I encourage you to jump over to braveparenting.net and check out our resources as well as our articles. You can learn how to be a braver and better parent through many of our resources. Also, you can follow us on Facebook at Brave Parenting Network and make sure that you jump over to Amazon and get a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character. And in this book, we go over many character traits and how you can build these as a parent through all of this technology and media that your children love. So go over to Amazon and get your copy today. Um, Subscribe to our our podcast here if you want to learn more about how to be a brave parent in this media and technology saturated world. Until next time, go and be brave.